0: Today we're going to explore one of the coolest ways I have ever seen to photograph wildlife. Hi, once again, welcome to Behind the Shot. I'm Steve Brazzle. For those of you on YouTube, there are chapter markers down below. You can jump to any section of the show that you want. And for regular viewers of the show, I just want to let you know now that at the end of the show, I have kind of a personal message about a longtime viewer. Again, that's going to be at the end, and, and you'll understand it. Some of you may know the person that I'm going to talk about, having seen him in the chat on some of the live streams that I did today, though. We're going to talk about what I think is one of the most unique ways I have ever seen to photograph wildlife. I want to welcome to the show Michigan-based wildlife and nature photographer Mr. Paul Cober. Paul, how are you?
1: All right, how are you doing, Steve? I'm
0: doing really really good. I want to get to know you a little bit because the strange thing is you and I, you and I apparently have a ton of friends in common. <laughs> right, Remember Scott Kelby. That. Well, Scott yep. Kelby uh, Dave Williams uh, is the one yep. who introduced me to you. And he's actually, I think, referred probably more people to be a guest on the show than almost anybody that I know. In fact, let's, let's start here. The, the photography that we're going to talk about today involves instruments, but not music per se. You were a professional right. saxophonist. Now you do yep. instrument repair. I'm kind of curious how that led to photography at all.
1: Well, I was a professional saxophonist, you know, most of my life, but then, um, you have to make money. So (laughs) my, my gig was actually repairing instruments to afford to play. And, um, so I was professional saxophonist and an instrument repair technician for years and years and years. Then in 04, I got in a car accident. I couldn't play anymore, but I had to have a musical output. I mean, artistic output. I always like art and photography, so I started taking pictures. And then, since I'm a person, I have instruments. I put a a bass clarinet out on a branch, a bird land on it, and I said, well, that's kind of cool. So I took a picture of it, and that started a whole career I guess.
0: Yeah, but 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 here's the thing. Photographically, once you did get into photography, and I completely understand that after the accident and you not, you know, playing anymore, needing that creative outlet because create you know, a creative flow, I think, in people is something that you can't keep in you. It you have you, to you find it out. It's
1: impossible. It's impossible. Exactly.
0: You you can't. But even in photography you did portraits, you did landscapes, you did architecture stuff. You settled on this wildlife and nature with with this cool twist. What made you think to put that thing in a tree, though? I mean, I'm, I'm just, sorry. When I look at a saxophone <laughs> or, or whatever, I don't go, you know, that would be really cool in a
1: tree. People tell me I think different. And I was just, there and I had, I had a bass cornet and I just, it was a apart. And I'm like, hey, let's just put it out there and see if something lands on it. You know, originally it just started just for amusing, amusement and just have the instrument, you know, instrument out there and have an animal land on it every once in a while. And I thought this would make actually a cool picture. And, um, like everybody else started out with, like I had a Rebel XT and oh, then. same um, camera I started on. Yeah, it's XTi. A good, it's a Mine great was an XTi. Okay, it's a great starter. Yeah. Um. Then I got the uh, Canon 5D Mark II, but then I need to crop in a lot, so I got the 7D Mark II, and now I'm shooting the R6, and it just got one thing led in to more and more and more and more, and then I got, um, I started searching online stuff, and I found Calvi one and I watched a lot of those classes, just about, you know, light control, outdoor portraitures. But I also got in the flash photography because I, for the birds, I use flash photography. For the mammals, I do not because it affects the fur weird. But for the birds, it actually brings out the feathers and the textures. That's, that,
0: that, so that's, that's interesting me because that, what that tells me, though, is there was a point where you tried the flash on the mammals yeah, to, to end up not liking it in, in roughly based on looking at your bio in roughly 12 ish years or so, you've had some amazing recognition, Photoshop magazine, airspeed magazine, uh, the guru award. You got nine awards at the London photography awards. So let's, let's kind of talk general photography for a second, okay. because to me, when I look at your photography and when I've shown it to people, they all kind of say the same thing. For some, for some reason, your photography, and maybe it's the animal thing, uh, connection, your photography connects to people. So when you are doing it, you use so many different instruments in your stuff. You've got string and wood wing, woodwind and brass. brass. You even use some percussion. percussion stuff. When you are putting an instrument out there, do you kind of have an idea of, oh, this is going to be great for Animal X? In other words, are you going, this timpani needs a deer, right? I mean, I,
1: do you have that in exactly your head or is
0: it like, hey, whoever wants to come play the saxophone, help yourself?
1: No, I have I have an image in my mind. And um, first I figure out what instrument it is. And, you know, since I'm a person, I have a lot of parts. And then I have people just donate instruments to me now. So I, I do that and I get the, an instrument and I first thing I do, I have to figure out where I want it to, to go in the yard, considering, you know, the background and everything because it's, it's all important. So I do the background and then, um, I, I know what, ins, what animal I want on the instrument. And I know the position I want it to do on the instrument. And then I have to plan on the light being the sun, where the sun's going to come. I know what time of day each animal comes. So if you want a specific bird or mammal or something like that, they all feed at different times and they have different food. So then I have to draw them to the location, which takes a long time. And then once I get used to that spot, I go out there and I sit and I wait and I wait and I wait. And the picture we're going to look at, probably about 90 hours. Same thing with the deer and the timpani. I have um the squirrel with the bugle is about 90 hours of sitting. I sit out there in the winter because I've tried remote flashes. I've tried them, the apps, and there's always a slight delay and they're not as, Accurate, you know. Sometimes work, sometimes they don't. So I I sit out there, and I wait. And sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't. But I have the image in my mind that that I want with with a specific instrument and a specific animal.
0: But you're not doing ninety hours. In a row, you're talking, I know they're no. going to come, I believe, I'm paraphrasing my mind here, but yeah, I, I know this animal is going to be here between four o'clock and six o'clock, most likely. And so it's, you wait two hours, you wait two hours on different days, I'm assuming, right?
1: Correct, correct. Okay. The, um, the deer and the timpani one took two winters. I mean, it just, two winters to get it right where I wanted it. And I know it's not the one we're talking about, but I always use that as an example because he's staring straight there. Both ears are in perfect form. I do no Photoshop with the animals. They're all, they are 100% captured in those positions. So it's, so, it's waiting.
0: The The interesting thing is, and by the way, the deer in the timpani one is on the website. If you go to behindtheshot.tv, I have a small sample gallery of, of Paul's work that you can look at. And the deer in the timpani one is there. A little bit that I wrote about Paul, uh, all the links that we talk about in today's show, those will all be there. I saw an article Dave Williams did about you on DIY photography. Uh, Dave is it's seemingly everywhere, and I'm going to plug this really quick. By the way, Dave Williams and Kirsten Lutz are doing a Lofoten, Norway workshop that looks they've got multiple dates. Some are you going?
1: I'm going in September. I'll be there.
0: I have a couple of other friends that are gonna be there. It looks absolutely awesome. I don't think I'm gonna make it, but I do want to plug that because they are two of the best people that I know in photography. Anyway, I saw Dave, uh, an article Dave wrote about you in DIY photography. And in one of the parts of this article, he mentioned that you'd been inspired by Rick Salmon, uh, Scott Kelby, Moose Peterson, Glenn Dewis, Karen Hutton, Kaylee Greer, and some other ones, All of those I just mentioned, by the way, are past guests. But here's what struck me about that when I read it. Every one of those people, right? Karen Hutton is not Rick Salmon. Scott Kelby and Moose Peterson, both amazing. Nothing like each other as far as photography is concerned. Glenn Dewis, Kaylee Greer, not just different subjects, completely different ways of shooting. So I'm curious non-photographer specific, what does inspiration look like to you?
1: Um. Wow. I look, I mean, I see they're, they're all, they all have a couple things in common. They're extremely creative. They They get the image that they want, they work on it and they make it work, which is a lot of it. You have an image in your mind like an artist you have an image in your mind and you have to put it on the canvas it's the same thing with with photography you get the image um karen hutton just extremely creative you know and i always think yep. these, these are the people that think outside the box i use that term a lot they're they're just thinking outside the box rick salmon outside the box scott kelby outside the box glenn duis they're all they're not doing the the normal creative stuff it's just It's like a whole nother level of creativity. Right. And that's what, that's what always intrigues me when somebody, and there's amazing pictures. And I tell people, there's amazing pictures of birds, millions, billions of them. Right. And I want to do something different. So I'm thinking to myself, what can I do? Cause I could sit there and take pictures of birds all day, but I want to do something specifically that's different. And I think, I I think I found that. But it's keeping, it's keeping it going, but just, it's just, I like the creativity of people, you know, and some people just, they take amazing photos, but I look at them like, but if you do a search for like a robin, there's billions of them and they're all fantastic. And what's, what makes that different? You know, every once in a while, I want to jump out and be like, Oh, that's creative. How they did it. You know,
0: it's got, we're talking about, it's funny, I just had Scott on the show before yours on, I think this will release right after it, uh, on what to expect from an image critique. And we were talking about images having impact. And that's the thing I could see a million shots of a robin or a bird in flight or whatever. And I can know I, I wouldn't be able to capture that. It's not what I shoot. I don't know what I'm, what I, I wouldn't know what I was doing. I can respect that each one of those is beautiful in their own terms. None of them make me say, oh, that one over that one. And then you hit that shot that makes you go, and there's there's something special about that. And I think, and actually Scott Kelby in the green room that day when I was recording with him, I mentioned uh, that I was recording with you and his phrase was, oh, he's the real deal. And. It's the, it's, it's what I think when I see your pictures is they're so unique in the way that you approach your subject matter and the whole instrument in the woods thing, which we're going to get into. We're going to talk about a specific shot and I've got some behind the scenes stuff before we do just a quick reminder for everybody that this show is available wherever you get your podcasts. It is in fact, if you're watching on YouTube, this is more approached as a podcast so it's available wherever you get podcasts in an audio only or a video format but of course the video is also put up on YouTube so you can you can find it there show notes and links are in the description on YouTube or at the website behindtheshot.tv for today's image I don't want to mention it right away okay or I don't want to show it right away and the reason Wait. is again there's something that I talked about with Scott Kelby on the Critique show about names And about how in image competitions, sometimes people have these weird names of run, puppy, run. And you look at the shot and it's these woods and it's where's Waldo, where's the puppy. A name should bring something to your mind. And it doesn't have to be accurate. Like you can hear the name and then look at the picture and go, oh, whoa, that surprised me. And that's fantastic, but it's gotta make sense. And this one is so perfect to me. The name of the image, is singing the blues. And if you're listening to this or if you're watching this, I want you to get a picture in your head. You are kind of already know we're talking about wildlife, so that's okay. <laughs> but you don't know hopefully the specific picture or you may have seen the poster for the show at which point you do. But do you have a picture in your head if you just hear the name Singing the Blues? <laughs> because this is what you should be seeing and I love this thing. Absolutely love this thing. So let's start here. This picture is again it's wildlife photography in such a unique way Paul. I I want to I want to hear kind of your story of this shot and capturing it before we do. For those of you that are listening on audio bear with me. I want to describe this for the audio people and then we'll <laughs> jump into all the details about this shot. Paul, I'm going to ask you at the end. Say again <laughs>
1: I want to hear your description.
0: Well, I don't always do good, but I find it very interesting. Have you ever tried this, by the way? Sit down and look at a shot and try and describe it verbally out loud as though somebody else is only listening it's, in it's audio. Tough. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough, but it also makes you find things that you uh, that I don't think you would see if you weren't trying to paint a mental picture. So you're outdoors like in a backyard, and you've got a wooden table at the bottom of the frame. It's slightly off center, a little bit heavy to the right side of the frame. And you can see a little teeny bit below the top of this wood, but not much below it. Okay. Behind the wood, I'm going to try and set the scene before I bring the animal in. Behind the wood, behind this table, we'll call it, it's dark. And it looks like the lower two-thirds, almost exactly to the to the rule of thirds, the lower two-thirds is like a wall of leaves or a wall that's covered in leaves that it's grown on or maybe a hedge. The top is more open. You can see through it, but you also see greenery and, and plants there. On the table, just left of center, is an old blues mic. It's like a Shure 55, okay? And if you, if you know audio at all, you'll know what a Shure 55 is. It's, it's the type of mic you would normally see like an old 60s or whatever blues singer singing into. It's on a tabletop stand. That stand is black. It's plugged into a cord. So this is the other thing. I see people use instruments or tools like this as props and they leave out the details. The mic is plugged into an XLR cable. The end of the XLR is gold, whereas the mic is silver. And I actually I don't know, remind me to ask you. I don't know if that color contrast was intentional because a lot of XLR cables are silver at the end. Was that intentional?
1: It it was. It was for the for the contrast. Okay. And the way the cable's wrapped was wrapped specifically. I I I ran in that specifically put it exactly where I wanted it.
0: Okay. So here's what's happening with the cable that Paul's talking about. That gold ending, which by the way. It sounds weird that I'm going to say this, that partially makes the shot because it's not a blob of silver, but then you have a little bit of gold. It just feels, you know, intentional. I I don't know how to describe it. Cord goes down behind the table, moves over to the right before it appears again on top of the table, goes into a coil that's done with just a twist tie The fact that that cable is behind the table near the mic stand, again, had it been on the table, it would have been too busy right there. You now have separation of a bundle of the mic cord and the round base of the mic stand. And then that cable in the little bit of space you have on the right, remember I said the table is off center, that cable runs down to the floor as though it's gonna go to a mixing board or something somewhere. The camera is in the perfect spot for this. Perfect spot. Now, here's the key. Picture that scene. Just left of the mic, right on the left rule of third, is a squirrel. The squirrel is standing up on its hind legs, not even sitting down. I mean, like there's air under its butt, okay? It's holding the microphone, like where the switch would be, with two hands, and its feet are apart It's angled kind of towards the camera at 45 degrees so you can see the belly, which also is key. It's almost like I I could not have posed this animal if it was stuffed any better than I just did. Now, here's the thing. The squirrel is pushing that stand a little teeny bit so that that round base is not sitting flat on the table. It's lifted up ever so slightly. And did you prop
1: it up that way or is it really moving it? No, he really moved it. Wow. So amazing. And then I'm shooting like two thousandths of a second. We'll get into all the settings, but I I shoot all myself. I shoot for like two thousandths of a second. It, he, not
0: only that, I should say, so the big microphone is leaning towards him, his head, his or her, I guess I should say head is tilted back and the mouth is wide open as though they're singing. Really, honestly, I don't think I could have posed this with stuffed animals or, you know, rubber toys any better than this. Did I miss anything that I should have noticed in this?
1: No. A- amazing details. So I'm glad you, you like the gold XLR plug. Because I wanted that, for contrast, in a pop. So what I do, my, my camera is always on a tripod. So it's set up. And like I said, it's, it's there for my tripod. I'll take the camera in at nighttime. And like I said, I know when, when the squirrels are coming and, um, the tripod is all folk, you know, it's all set in place. My lens, I'm set to manual focus because I don't want any movement to distract anything. So I put it right on. The edge of the microphone there where the where the face is. And before that, I take pictures and figure out which one I like because I had it with the cable. I'm pointing like you can see. I had it with the cable coming across the top. And I didn't like that. So that's why I dripped it down. You're talking you're talking over. about
0: this part right here?
1: Yes. Interesting. Yeah, so I, you I did it have it there originally. and
0: okay, so let me ask you then, why did you drop it down? What was in your head?
1: It looked too busy. So I, I didn't, you know, like looking at it, it was just like, oh, there's something, there's something there. And then originally I had the, the cable on the right-hand side that's going down. I had it dripped off the back and it looked like the cable was just sitting there. So I put it and put it over the right-hand side there. So you could actually see it going down. So like it looked like it was going to a mixer. Wow. So you're just, really just intentional the cable with placement. This. Yeah, the cable placement is very intentional.
0: So, okay, but you're doing all of this as you're setting the scene before the animal is there, obviously, so that you know you've got what you need, right? Correct. Okay, let's talk tech. This was your Canon R6.
1: Yes, Canon R6. What lens was this? Um, The Canon 200 to 400 with the 1.4 conversion.
0: Okay, Which so is then you're, like you're the shooting. Is out there. And I think I looked in the EXIF data, this was around 400
1: millimeters, so you're far away. It was, yeah, it was 400. You have to be far away because they get nervous. And you have to be sitting there before they come. So you could be there 20 minutes before they come, because the second you start moving, the shot's over. Got you, okay. So I, I literally sit right next to the camera with my hand on the trigger. And as soon as they're in the place, because I'm watching, I'm not looking through the, through the camera. I'm looking with my eyes and when they're in place, you know, you start taking the shots. So you know, I want no, I want no delay or anything.
0: So exif data shows that your white balance is set to auto. I'm assuming that's always. Correct. Aperture always. priority as well. Do you always shoot aperture priority?
1: Always. Okay. But I have my, I have my ISO set it's it's so the ISO is what adjusts because I want I want it I want it two thousand and I want it as open it can be.
0: Yeah so this showed ISO F4 goes. at one two thousandth but here's what's weird actually I'm gonna get into the ISO in a second. I just want to get out there that you were spot metered. Correct. So you're using your center focus point uh on the mic is that what you're doing
1: right on if you look at the microphone right at where the lines are that's what I focused on. Okay. And your exposure I knew, bias. I knew in my mind. I, I wanted him parallel to the microphone.
0: On the same focal plane.
1: Yeah, it's correct. Same focal plane.
0: Okay. Exposure bias. You have it plus one third. Okay. I get all of that. And before I go into the ISO, I just need to know, was this exposure pretty much straight out of camera?
1: yes yeah um like i do no. i do really no photoshop on the ammo every photo has photoshop stuff in it clean up clean up clean up clean up that kind of stuff um and they're they're food encouraged that's how i get them there and you know they're they're fun they're fun to watch (laughs) you know first of all but getting them getting them there in the right position. So, all that is all, all that's planned, like I know the cable is on the right hand side because I want him on the left hand side.
0: Okay, in but here's where I'm lost. And I never thought about that. That's a good point. By putting the cable on the right, he would most likely go to the left because there's nothing in his way. But here's where Correct. I'm lost. EXIF data showed that your ISO on this image was 16,000. Correct at 2,000th of a second. This picture, you sent me a high-res of it. It doesn't look that noisy. It's, it's not.
1: The R6 is very good.
0: <laughs> My God, man. Uh, okay, so let me ask you this then. Let's stay with the 16,000 and 2,000th of a second. You can shoot pro football at a 1,000th at a of a second. Is there a reason you want that 2,000th and, and you're not willing to go to like, ISO you know eight thousand and one thousandth of a second
1: because the the animals are fast, and for him, like to get get his front paws exactly there, they're moving them continuously, and they're they're so small compared to a football player, a baseball player, so if they move a fraction from here to here to here. It can be, it can be blurry at a thousand, twelve, twelve hundred, that kind of stuff. It, it can be a little bit blurry. So wow. I always try to get two thousand, even like with the birds. Birds are tricky because I want it crisp, crystal little sharp, but I want the wings to be a little, just a little bit out of focus. So you can see some movement. I don't want them to look like they're post, you know, just pasted in place. I want it to be a little bit of movement and. So the birds I'll do a birds I'll do a little slower, but like 15. Because and depending on birds, some birds are faster than other birds.
0: Okay. But here's what I want to understand about all of your shots, really, right? Because I'm guessing, like you say, birds you might shoot a little slower. This you want one two thousandth. And on this shot, you were plus one third exposure bias. So what is your, when you sit down and you've got an instrument out there and you've baited it, which we'll talk about in just a second, what are you, what is your mental process? Explain, explain your exposure process. What What's going through your head for any individual shot for you to decide this one's going to be this?
1: Depending on, once again, depending on the animal, the black squirrel I want it to be a little brighter cause I want to see the detail in the fur. So if I shoot it zero exposure, the black fur is a little bit darker gotcha. and I wanted if you look, if you look at that, I mean, you can see each individual fur piece of fur in there yeah. and even, even in his belly where it's darker. And if I shot that at regular exposure, it'd be a little bit too, too dark in his torso. So you still, you still get the detail and you get the highlights, you know, of his, of his arm and his legs. You know, you can see the following of the lines with the, with the highlights there.
0: So compositionally, again, this is one of those things. It's funny, as you were describing, you know, that you had the cable on top and then you moved it. This is exactly the process I wish I wish that more people would take the time to do, but we're all in such a hurry and we think we can grab yep. it, or that we, we can fix it in post. And there are things you can. I'm not a purist in in that sense, but the fact that the table is slightly off center, I actually like. It adds a. It would be almost too symmetrical and too balanced if the table was dead center. The fact that Correct. the cable, I can see it going down on the right. The fact that the squirrel and the microphone are exactly right on the third right? The back wall, the leaves down below, or it may not be, I think it's leaves. Is that what, is that like a half wall that's covered in leaves? Is that what that is?
1: Yes. It's, they're actually fake leaves. it's It's a brick wall, a retaining wall. And I put that on there for the background. You have, you have to be creative with what you have. So it, behind that is a brick wall. And then on the top of it, um, bushes and that kind of stuff.
0: The the fact that you composed it to where that is right at the rule of third, I absolutely love, I'm a big rule of thirds fan. I, I'm not saying it's gospel, it's a guideline, but I, it hits me when you've got a that line right across the top at the top of the wall. The other third is the microphone and the squirrel. You mentioned earlier that the background matters. Like a lot of your attention the is in is that huge. background.
1: Sometimes it's more important than the main picture, or it can be more destructive, I should say. Why? The background. Well, and if you look at that, the um the line of the wall is going right through his eye. You know, it's not it's not cutting off at the neck, it's not right at the nose. So like the top of his eye is going through. And that's the advantage of using the tripod. I mean, I put it exactly. Where I want it. Well, but you didn't know, you know how not, tall I, he was going to be. Why well, knew he'd be going to the microphone?
0: Yeah, that's true. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So i so, i had I had a good. I knew where I wanted his his mouth, and I want him like singing. He's singing it you know, like basically the bottom third of his nose at the t- is or right, right at the middle, and there's some over it. And I knew that when he when they first go up there, and you're practicing, and they're not getting you the pose. I watch all that stuff. Where are they reaching? Where are they reaching?
0: How tall are you know, they?
1: Because I, yeah. Because I wanted I wanted that. And I you know, the microphone stand, I raised and lowered a little bit. So that he's not I wanted him to reach a little bit, but not too much. It's all like it's just my crazy mind.
0: <laughs> okay, but but here so you're pre framing this, you're thinking about the background, you're thinking about whether where the animal would go, but I'm looking at this picture. And yeah, the cable is coiled up on the right, but there is enough room for an animal on that side. So they went to the side that you wanted, I'm assuming, because that's where you put the bait. So
1: that's explain where, that's where explain
0: how you get the animal to even go to this thing.
1: All right. So first of all, I put the table out there. And every animal likes different food. You have to know what they like. Even different types of birds. Depend And then depending on the type of year. Um, they need different, like in the winter, birds need fattier food. You know, the mammals need fattier food to stay warm. Um, this was springtime and, um, squirrels like, they like everything, but they really like, you know, peanuts. So I get peanuts and I put it up there on the table first to get them going up there. And then I put the microphone up there. So they're used to it.
0: Uh, hold on, may I interrupt? You know, I apologize. You don't just put the bait on the mic, you put it on the table to lure them?
1: Correct. You first I get them to the table to, so they get because they have to, you know, jump up to the table. Right. And then they're used to that. Then I just put the microphone in the center. And then I move it more to the right. And then I'll put all the all of it on the left hand side because that's where I want them. And I'll move the microphone there and then i put some stuff actually on the microphone so that they're reaching up you you're and amazing the, man i put like in in the microphone you know what the big trade secret is peanut butter and so i so i i smeared some peanut butter along the front vertical line of the microphone so that he would be reaching for it and licking it. And then when they're obviously, when they're reaching and licking, they're eating, they're going to have their mouth open. So you have, and that's why I love the R6, 20 frames a second. I mean, there are some that are close. And the thing I really love about this picture are the two front, uh, pause front pause. Yep. Because the way they they're grabbing it. You and know, the, like, the, like he's thinking, he
0: or she is grabbing it as, uh, Trust me, I shoot music. They're grabbing it very similar to how a singer would actually grab a microphone. And again, the fact that it's being pushed back a little bit so much sells the whole storyline. Peanut butter for this. What do you use for the birds or the deer?
1: The deer corn, and like the timpani. The yeah, they love they love corn. So the timpani, I I spend a lot of money on on animal food. Um. I had lines of corn going to the symphony and then I had it on top. And then the line got thinner and thinner and more on the top. So they just naturally start going there. Um, and then with, with the birds, there's, there's just, they're, they're flying in for the, for the, for the food. And birds are tricky because they always come, you know, yes. They fly into the wind and out of the wind different ways. So I want them coming into it towards me. So I have to wait for the wind, and then if depending, it's just it's just complicated <laughs> because they 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 come to feeders certain certain ways all the time.
0: Let's talk lighting. You said you don't light the mammals because of how it makes you know the fur.
1: Look. I do not. But on this one, what I do is I don't light them. But there's a big, big, big light called the sun. So I have a shoot-through umbrella, seven-foot shoot-through umbrella. It's on the left-hand side. Yep, that that shoot-through umbrella. So that it softens the light. So I have a massive light on it. But without that, it's too harsh.
0: So you're not you're using this as a scrim, basically, to to just let the light pass through it. There's Correct. no light in
1: it. There's no light, the The white one, there's no light in. It's strictly a shoot through.
0: Okay. And then you've got uh, another softbox on the right. What's interesting to me is you have an instrument hanging in the tree here on the left.
1: There's a cello hanging. There's a little drum set down on the bottom. Yep. That, that's our old house. I had instruments all over. And then I would position whichever one I wanted, you know, at, at the time. And, and set up set up the lighting, but as as the earth and sun rotate around each other, the shooter umbrella the shadow moves right so you have to you have to think about about that and it's it's different than a portrait where you could say move a little bit you know so I actually have to go out there and reposition it and then they all run away and then they come back.
0: Amazing! Here's another shot with a keyboard in there. This is kind of a cool one. I like this breakdown here. You've got a little bird feeder to draw birds in as well, but then you yep. have uh, an instrument, you know, mounted little horizontal. Little. Um, yeah. What else you got here? Here's your camera on the tripod looking at, at uh, a setup. You even have a little bird bath out there to help. So you've got all kinds of stuff. You have a trombone in this tree.
1: I do. <laughs> I'm Uh-oh. doing my
0: life wrong, man.
1: There's and no I have question. I have I have pictures of that. I have instruments all over. That was that was in the Chicagoland area. Um so there you can see the squirrel on the bongos. And right. that shot's actually on my website. And then there's a banjo over there. I have a picture with um two woodpeckers on the banjo at the same time. But well, I, I noticed
0: one thing here. You're hand-holding here. You're not using a tripod.
1: I am I am for that one back then. Now, what I did was, I used to do that, and my elbows got very sore. Yeah, that makes from sense. From holding it. Yeah, that makes sense. That, that was like, earlier on, I'm like, you're holding it for a long time, and it's heavy.
0: Well, one thing that you mentioned was, you know, snow, no matter what, you're out there. How do you is there anything I should say that you specifically do to prep your camera, to prep lights? If you are using lights, to prep yourself or your gear for sitting out there for two hours in the cold
1: and the, in the, in the cold, um, since, or in any since I have it set, well in the cold, since I have it set to manual focus, I don't have to worry about the, the zoom going in and out. Um, but I do put, like a toe warmer. You don't know about that in California, oh, but yeah. toe, toe warmers around the around the lens just to keep it warmer so that it doesn't get all foggy and stuff like that. Um I I love this I love snow shots. I love the snow. But it is and snow with a flash, it's it's gorgeous because it just picks up all the sparkles in the in the details. Now my flash is super, super low it's strictly just, it's just tapping it. I mean, I, I have it very low.
0: So you're not flashing per se. You're doing, you're doing fill flash really. Okay.
1: Correct. It's fill, it's fill flash. It's at a distance because if it's too close, the birds won't come to it. So on those pictures, you can see it's fairly far away. You know, if you're doing portraits, it's going to be close. So it's farther away, but I want it just to like, Get rid of any like darkness and the shadows in the front. Like a, you know, like a kiss of, it, of light. Correct. It's just it's yeah. It's just strictly a little kiss.
0: So let me ask you this then, post production wise, you're taking you're taking so much time to compose this in camera. Do you ever get it in post and say ah, I missed a little bit and and do you crop in post and what do you since you don't mess with the animals per se, what do you do to an image in post?
1: Every photo I always take, you know, the portraits, landscape, anything, I always shoot a little bit bigger because okay. I want to, I want to position like you were talking about that. I did you know, with animals, you, you don't really know what's going to happen. Anything can happen. And if you're shooting babies, photographing babies, <laughs> the, <Yeah>. um, <laughs> you, know, you can position them, you know, I have no control over this. And I know people that are professional, you know, baby photographers. And they're like, how can you do this? Because I just wait, they just put them there and the the baby's cute, of course, right away. So, so they're doing that. I, um, I, so I shoot a little bit wide and then I crop that because when they jump on, it moves a little bit, you know, so there's, there's this leeway. So there's a couple, couple inches on each each side and I I finesse it a little bit but I had basically the idea in my mind. Okay. And then as far as the as far as the photoshop what I did um most of it was on the table. Um cuz there's a there's some like peanut crumbs on there that kind of stuff. They may not have gotten all the peanut butter off the microphone. Um so like some of the lines I might go in and just You know, heal that a little bit, but not, not that much. This squirrel had, um, it was bothersome, a big long fur, piece of fur that came out of his belly that just distracted me. Every time I looked at it, I saw that. So gone. Gotcha. You know, it's the little, it's the little details. It's more little details.
0: But most of your work is Photoshop. Correct. I want to switch gears. I want to do a speed round with you. For these questions, whatever first pops into your head, go with it. Okay,
1: <laughs> your this is top. Be scary.
0: No, 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 not at all. Well, maybe <laughs> your top wildlife photography tip.
1: Patience. It's it's all it's all about patience. The uh, the camera settings and that stuff. Everybody knows that. You know, fast. The the shutter speed has to be fast. But you have to be patient. You have to let it, let them come to you, no matter what wildlife. You know, I did um, Fossil Rainbow with, with Rick Salmon. Exact same thing. They're, they're wildlife. You know, and right. people forget it. It's actually the wild part. You, you have to wait for them. And a lot of people that I see, it's like, I'm never happy with good enough. And they're like, oh, it's good enough. No, it's not. You have to wait. It could be three more hours. But that, like you were saying, you get the shot that's like, wow, there it is. Or you get one of those, one that you flip through real quick. Oh, that's nice. It's nice. It's nice. Patience.
0: It's funny. That always reminds me of the analogy I give on almost any time you need detail. I call it edging the lawn. Anybody and everybody mows their lawn. When you drive Mm -hmm. by a house and go, wow, that yard looks beautiful. It's because they detailed it. They edged Mm -hmm. it or whatever you want to call it the attention to detail in certain things is what makes the wow. What was the biggest photo mistake you made or almost made?
1: So many, um, (laughs) learning flash was my biggest one over just overexposing it, overexposing it. And, um, Scott Kelby, I have his flash book. And I read that and I went through it and I threw it and threw it through it. And it just, the flash is just practice. I mean, that's the only way you're going to get it. That's another thing is um, exposure too slow where everything's blurry. That took a long time.
0: Commit to it. Yeah. Like, like I say, when I saw that this image was ISO 16000, I thought to myself, what? That's got to be a typo. But again, <laughs> these cameras today, I shoot concerts oh, at 10,000, 12,000 ISO if needed all the time. I'm not there yeah. every show, but I have shows where it's like everybody else is frustrated because they don't want to go above 3,200. And I'm like, you know what? Oh. I have a choice here of either not getting a shot. Exactly. Or let's cr- crank the ISO and get the shot.
1: Especially now, I'd have no problem with shooting 64,000. No problem. I mean, yeah. with with all the software... You know, the shots, the shot and sharpness is more important than anything. If there's noise, you know, and Rick Salmon has a saying, if they're talking about the noise, it's not a good photo. I I wrote a
0: blog post for Rick years ago called Ignore the Noise, years and years ago. And, you know, my premise is a sharp, noisy shot is almost always, there's exceptions, but Almost always better than a perfectly clean blurry shot. Get the shot. What is your Correct. favorite composition rule, if you have
1: one? Oh, I, I hate to say rule rule of thirds, but I like it. I like it. You know, I don't. I don't always follow that. Some of my shots they're dead center. It's either dead center, and like perfect example. The timpani, it's the deer is dead center with the timpani. Everything's dead center. Um, Some of the birds are dead center, but if it's more of a portrait style, I want it dead center. If it's landscape, I want more rules of thirds.
0: Okay. And the, and the timpani works dead center because it's so symmetrical with the ears and everything. Favorite band or performer?
1: John Coltrane.
0: (laughs) Ooh, that's a first time. Favorite drink.
1: Favorite drink. Um, I don't drink, so like a Sprite.
0: Okay. Favorite movie or TV show, or
1: both? Um, Favorite TV show. Everybody Loves Raymond. Favorite favorite movie. Probably the Blues Brothers. Good
0: picks. I'm
1: from from Chicago, and it's just great. All right.
0: (laughs) Final question. And we talked about all those photographers that inspire you earlier in the show, but is there any photographer that you think not enough people know about and should know about?
1: I think there's a lot of them, but I couldn't tell you who, I mean, I see, I see these people on, um, and like, I think Kaylee, Kaylee Greer is her name. The dog, yep. oh, her stuff is mind boggling. Yeah. I mean, to me, to me, that's a whole nother, you know, and that's, that's the level I, I'm hoping to get at sometime. It's like her kind of stuff because it's just, and it, but it's different. And that's what I mean. It's a dog photography, but it's different. The second you see it, it's like, that's cool. There's millions of great dog photographers and great photos, but you see her stuff. It's just like, it's it's, she's mind boggling.
0: That's the perfect example of what we were talking about with the wow. Like we've all seen people who do dog pictures. And there are some amazing dog pictures. When you see Kaylee's work, again, she's been on the show before. When you see Kaylee's work, you 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 don't even think of the other dog photographers.
1: Not at all. When you see Kaylee's work, you're looking
0: at something you haven't seen before.
1: And I think I don't know how popular she is and stuff like that, but I would say she's probably one of the most underrated Photographers, because her I agree. Her creativity is just mind mind-boggling, yeah. Yeah. and I don't know. I don't know. I never met her. I don't know her notoriety or anything like that. It's not enough. Whatever it is, it's not not enough. She does a lot and of crea- speaking. She so does. Creative. She does a lot
0: of workshops. She's well known in that world. She does stuff for Kelby, actually. But uh, people go look up Kaylee Greer. Trust me. So images. Links, all of that are in the blog post at behindtheshot.tv. But for those on audio, if people want to find you, what's your website?
1: PaulCoberPhoto.com.
0: Okay. K O B E R. And right. Instagram is PaulCoberPhoto. Facebook is Paul.cober.52. Is
1: yeah. there a meaning behind that? None whatsoever. It's the one that they gave me. Okay. It was available. I have no idea. And I'm then. Born in
0: we should say you sell prints of these and I'm just telling you these things are awesome people. If you want to look at prints, they are available at your website too, correct?
1: Correct they are. And I'll tell you this. Um they really the, the metals and the acrylics are the way to go. I mean, I sell I sell prints, but then anytime somebody gets like a big metal or a bit of big acrylic and there is a distinct difference between the two. I mean, we go into details about that, but we don't need to. Um, The metals are super, super sharp, but the acrylics just add a depth. They just add a depth to it that you can't get anywhere else.
0: I have a number of aluminum prints in here. This big one back here uh, is an aluminum print, uh, three foot by four foot. And it really, for me, it's, I am tired of framing things. So for me, the beauty of of metal or acrylic is that they come ready to hang on your wall, which is really, really nice. Paul.
1: That's that's fantastic.
0: I can't say thank you enough for doing this, man.
1: I really, really well, appreciate, I it. appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank
0: you. And folks, one more time, what's your website again? paulcoberphoto.com, right? Dot com. Yep. Okay. Everybody, you need to go check out Paul's work. Uh, and again, check out the prints you know, if, if that's something that you need on your walls right now. That's that's something you should do as well. I mentioned at the beginning of the show that I was going to do something more towards a personal note towards uh, the end of the show. And I want to do that now. As I close out today, I want to mention Terrell Woods, Terrell C. Woods. Terrell is – for regular viewers, you probably know the name Terrell. If you were ever in one of the critique shows that I did with Don Komarechka – Terrell was always in the chat leaving supportive and great comments. A number of his photos we actually critiqued, even though he was a phenomenal photo uh, photographer anyway, did a lot of stuff for USC sports teams and stuff like that. He was one of the earliest viewers that I remember conversing with online and really getting to know one of the kindest, most gentle people that I ever met. And unfortunately, Terrell passed away last month. And I just wanted to say, Terrell, you, sir, will be missed.